This is unstructured. Hey, everybody. I'm thrilled today. I have somebody from, well, the other side of the planet. I always love talking to Australia. And this gentleman is, oh, wow. He's almost a Renaissance man in some ways because he has a job pattern that would blow your mind and has carved his path the entire way. His name is Ronsley Vaz, and he hosts two podcasts, Bond Appetit and Should I Start a Podcast? He also, because he was bored, decided to create an entire podcast conference because, I mean, what else is he going to do with his spare time? And that's called We Are Podcast. How's it going, Ronsley? It's gone well, man. How are you? All right. Thanks so much for coming on, man. I um. I love this stuff. So it's, uh, thank you for having me. I think, um, I think it's more, you're doing me a favor than, than the other way around. Hey, I'm always happy to get with people in the industry and learn from people. What I do is an interview podcast. You do two interview podcasts. And honestly, this is scratching my own itch. Yeah, same. Um, same. I think I just, realize that everything I do in business is to have more of these kind of conversations. And, um, that's just uh, business is just to fund these kind of conversations. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to have them. Yeah, actually, you've mentioned that lately, how you came to discover when you were selling podcast services to the companies that it really was about, hey, all of your business is gained through an interaction or an interview or a conversation. Do you want to go into that a little? Sure. I, I Well, I, I believe that... Um, Everything that I've been able to achieve and opportunities that I've been able to get and the team and the clients and the fans and everything else is because I started a podcast five years ago. Um, it just seems to continuously return on an investment. And I feel like initially thinking about return on investment, I always thought about it from a monetary standpoint, but you know, return on investment can be so many different things and there's relationships, there's opportunities, there's uh, new ways of thinking like perspective, uh, new information uh, that you would not normally get in any other way. Uh, I feel that the conversations I've had on both my podcasts um, uh, have kind of led me to this point. So um, I like obviously I'm a huge fan with, with, with everything that, that we're, we're involved in. But um, I don't even, I, I think that even me, this, this, despite saying that everything I've achieved until, uh, I mean, until un, this point and every opportunity that I get is because I started a podcast five years ago. I, I, I still think that I'm not, I'm not giving it enough credit with that statement. It's just such a huge um, capstone in, in everything that I do. It makes total sense. And I'm a kind of counterintuitive um, sort of um, mind, if you will. And I essentially started uh, with Jordan Harbinger the same way as I am with you. Um, His, I congratulated him for being fired because everything in his life that is good is because he was fired. Mm -hmm. I want to congratulate you for failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I um, just got off another interview. a few minutes ago and and um, one of the things I did say was how the definition of failure needs to kind of maybe change a little bit because uh, it almost seems doom and gloom when you think about failing but 
know, it, it does allow you to think differently. It does allow, it does put you in a situation that forces you to come up with new ways of of solving that problem. So it's almost like failure allows you to build on something that you would not have, you know, put yourself in that position before and you might not actually get to uh, this new uh, version of what utopia might look like. And I think failure is very, very underrated. Um, Failure could just be one of those stepping stones to the next uh, successful venture. So yeah, but thank you. I I, I can. <laughs> well, would you agree that failure forces clarity? Not necessarily at the time. I feel like failure forces. So ev- everything everything can be clear, and, and clarity is 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 always twenty uh, twenty when you're looking backwards. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I feel like. Because of the definitions we have around the word and the expectations we have around how it's supposed to be, uh, I feel like failure actually clouds judgment until you get to a point where you accept the situation. Um, so uh, to, to, to make that a slightly more clear, when you actually first experience failure, you, you get caught up in the ego myself included, I get caught up in the ego and it happens all the time. It happens even today. Um, and it's only after you accept that you're in this situation and you're able to go beyond that, uh, the ego chatter that, that's going on in your head that it allows you to... Um, I don't know whether it, it, it gives you clarity. I, I do think that it gives you perspective. And okay. maybe more perspectives allow... For, for better clarity, uh, but I do think it, it gives you perspective. Now, not to bury the lead, because I'm sure the audience is curious, can we go into what exactly did happen? Sure. Yeah. Uh, wh- what part? It depends. I feel old. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go with the biggest one, because that's your you know um, rebirth, I guess, or... Sure. Your latest bounce. Yeah. Um, my first business uh, was a restaurant. And um, I started the restaurant because I saw I saw opportunity everywhere. And it seems like most people feel like a restaurant is the best way to kind of get into business. I see that a lot. Which is insane, by the way. I've worked in restaurants and I worked as a cook in the army. Is the worst job in the world. Yeah, yeah it, is. <laughs> it is. And it's crazy because we justify it, right? We justify it by saying things like, well, people have to eat. Um, they're not going to stop eating. And um, the justifications after the fact get quite um, hilarious because um, you can justify anything uh, given it enough time and distance. So, um my my opportunity was uh or what i saw was uh was a restaurant that never existed in its form uh because it was a merger of indian spices with portuguese flavors hmm. and, um you know you wouldn't be able to get that kind of food or the the menu anywhere else uh, like linguisa mixed with um cumin or something or um well so 
to give you an idea, I come from a place called Goa, which is um, in India. It is used to be a Portuguese colony. Uh, oh. So some of those dishes on the menu were influenced from there, but there were other stuff that I just literally just made up um, based on, on, on that influence. So technically not, nothing on the menu you could get anywhere else in the world. Oh, cool. But the, the interesting thing is that that does not make a business. That might make a really good dish, uh, but a bit is something entirely different. And uh, that's the learning that I had over those four years was you could be a great chef, you could be a great mechanic, you could be a great uh, lawyer, accountant, whatever else, but if you do not function as a business and you don't know all the other pillars that make up a business, which is customer service, marketing, advertising, um, accounting, team, uh, culture, there's all these different elements that make up a business, uh, sales, uh, then um, you know you, you could be the world's best kept secret. Could that, um, out of curiosity, they often say that a true hit or a mega hit is to take something familiar and make it novel. Is it possible that that might have been just a little too different? Possibly. Um, I think. I think yes. But I also think I, there was a, a bunch of other factors like my naivety in business um, that I did not have any experience in business before. Uh, that the, the the restaurant model is broken from a business standpoint. The business model is broken. Um, there, there are there were a bunch of things though. There are a bunch of things even today. Um, I think the three biggest ones, especially in Australia, is that the highest bill is wages. Uh, the second thing is that once you have a location, uh, you just have to make it work. And it's very hard to tell whether a location is going to work until you have your doors open, which means you've already invested a lot of money to make to open those doors. And uh, third is that the hard thing in Australia is that when you buy fresh food, you pay no taxes on the food. But when you sell fresh food, you pay the government uh, a goods and services tax. So you're already ten, you're already ten percent um, uh, behind the game from the time you sell your first dish, uh, if you're serving fresh food, that is. So, uh, however, if you do buy, you know, packaged and processed food, you get that ten percent back, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah, especially if you want to promote health. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, well, even if you don't want to promote health, if you want to, even if you want to eat good food, right, you don't need. Right. Right. Um, so I think th- there's all these little factors that uh, contribute uh, to, you know, a restaurant or a, or a cafe being one of the hardest uh, businesses to to make work. Um, sure. Definitely. Definitely. The, the idea that I pushed the imagination so far that it was difficult for anyone to conceptualize what to expect unless they came into the restaurant. So, yeah. Okay, now that didn't work out. I think you've um, stated um, a story essentially about Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I've said that a few times. Yeah, Saturday, we did service on Saturday. On Sunday, the locks were changed, yeah. 
that has to be a horrible thing. It, you went in to go to work and then literally could not open the door? Well, no, I did not go to work. I was woken up by a text message. Uh, oh, even worse. Yeah, one of my um, one of the team was trying to open the door and it was just like, can't get through. And then, then there were these um, legal letters that were stuck to, you know, parts of the thing. And um, uh, uh, yeah, and it was um, it was Sunday Sunday morning. And um, it was, uh, yeah, interesting. It, I, I don't know how I processed it. I mean, now it seems, now, now it seems like, oh, yeah, it was, it was all good. But I'm pretty sure at the time no. I was in shock. And um, I, oh, I sure. remember going for an 8K run. But other than that, I don't really remember much. I feel like I, um, I, feel I, I, like I went numb for a little while. Well, and then you had a staff member who's talking to you, and now they don't have a job. You've, you're you responsible for them. Um, you're married, right? Have kids? I don't... No, no kids. Uh, we were three months married at the uh, at the time. Oh, that's a good way to start it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, you got the breadwinner here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly what happened. The The identity crisis of, uh, of being a husband uh, is, is is what I went through for a, for a good few years after that yeah for sure wow wow now did that put a chip on your shoulder what happened at that point um i don't know well maybe you could define a chip on chip on my shoulder. That, that might be an americanism sorry um it's a a pride point like um like you get knocked down and nobody is going to knock you down again no, I, I, no, I don't think so. I, 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 I had a, that's what it meant, but my brain did not know how to, how to, how to, I thought it was a definition <laughs> because of the way you asked it. So, uh, no, I don't think so. I think that every time we get cocky and I get cocky, I feel like, uh, business finds a really nice way of, of, uh, reminding me that, um, that there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know. Cool. So it taught you humility. Yeah, and and I I, I don't think there's there's this pride there at all. Actually, I feel like I just learned uh, I learned humility. I learned I learned how to um I learned a whole bunch of new things that I was not exposed to, like not knowing exactly what what was next, or asking for help, or um being breaking the normal definitions of what you know, a husband's supposed to do. Like, um, before I got married, I asked a whole bunch of people what a husband definition of a husband was, and everyone said provider and protector and, and mm. stuff. And and um, really, is partner. Yeah, it really is partner. So I had, I I had to borrow courage from from my wife uh, for that for that period. Well, you're lucky to have her. Oh, super lucky. Um, and. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of the next steps uh, was because uh, she pushed me uh, to to to, and she believed in me. So I I um I don't know whether I would have that opportunity or we would have that opportunity if if uh, the restaurant did not happen. So it's it's nice to look back and kind of appreciate it. Uh, but at the time, there was not, there was no appreciation at all. I have to say. 
it probably made your relationship stronger since you're still together and, and she pushed you and you had to partner up and, and work as a team against the world. That had to be the best possible thing. Totally. Totally. Um, we learned a lot about each other. In fact, um, I learned a lot about my emotions in that, in that period. I realized that I didn't even, <laughs> I, I didn't even have uh, more than two emotions. Um, and then, then suddenly there was this flood of emotions that, that came through. So, uh, learning to decipher that um, not by myself um, was a huge advantage, um, I think. That's interesting. And, and actually, the exposure to the external emotions would mean you were more receptive to the world around you and possibly opportunity. Uh, not necessarily initially. I think initially... Over time. Over time, yes, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think initially... It, it, you know, we, we we go through the victim, whether we like to or not. Whether we, I, I hate the idea of, of being a victim, but you know, subconsciously or unconsciously, there are there are narratives that play in your head that that make you the victim. So, <laughs> um, if you get kicked in the teeth, it hurts. Yeah. Um, but I think over time, when you sort of stop to introspect that kind of behavior, uh, it definitely makes you more receptive to opportunities for sure. Well, cool. Now we're going to start getting into the um, good part, which is leaving that behind, but you were really hugely in debt and I guess really close to losing your house. Yeah. Three days, three days from eviction. So we had a seven day eviction notice and um, somehow uh, four days in, we got that sorted. I don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, three days from, from eviction, um, $478,000 in debt. Um, yeah. That's just staggering. The only comfort I can think is that was Australian dollar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> it's true. But still horrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, um, I, I don't think I actually said the number out loud until, until a couple of years later when it was all like it, we were debt free. So it was only after we went debt free that I, um, I said that number out loud to myself or to anyone else. So. This was 2013 or 2014. So 2013 is when it happened. Okay. Yeah. About ha- mid year or something like yeah, that. 26th of May. Okay. Well, you don't remember any specificity at all. No, no, not at all. I it's uh it was not <laughs> important days. <laughs> we'll call it your origin story, all right? Yeah, it makes for a good story for sure. Oh, it's it's a I mean it's sad but it's fantastic and I feel like it shaped everything um after the point. So now after that I guess you went into I I don't know if it's a mastermind, but a few months later, well, sorry, you tried to do a bunch of jobs, I guess, for a while. Yeah, I had a job on Tuesday, so it happened on Sunday. On Tuesday, I had a job um, as a chef. As a chef. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I had, I think, five jobs in six months or something like that. Yeah. All as chefs? No, as chefs, as a restaurant manager, a few of them as restaurant managers. Um, Okay, same thing. Yes, yeah, similar. So, yeah, so I was in hospitality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And while I was in, and, and surprisingly, is that uh, one of those jobs lasted like three and a half months. So you know, the other ones would have just been a couple of weeks here and there that I just could not get uh, running and off the ground. And some of the stories in in those, it was almost like the universe was like, "Dude, you're wasting your time. Like, stop, stop, stop in this job nonsense. Like, you know, it's not." This is not for you. So something or the other would go wrong. Uh, either the business would get bought over by someone else or it just did not work mm. out. None of those jobs worked out. So while I was in the, while I was in one of them that, that, that lasted the longest, um, I went. So I did a website for a friend of mine uh, for free and she bought me this ticket to um, a, a course. It was a 40-week course. Uh, or program rather uh, called the key person of influence program hmm. and um i'd never experienced anything like that before i never never i didn't know not, i didn't even think that entrepreneurs had support systems or, or stuff that they could help become better entrepreneurs so uh me going for that for that full day was 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 inter- was fascinating i have you know uh, evernote folder full of the pictures and the notes that i took and um I got home and Rochelle asked me, how how was it? And uh, I said, yeah, it was good. She's like, no, t- tell me about it. So I start talking to her and half an hour, 45 minutes later, uh, she's like, so why aren't you signing up? And I said, mm. we, we don't even, it was like about, I think it was a 10 grand um, um, fee for this thing. Oh, Wow. And I said, we don't even, we have negative money. <laughs> Leave alone the money, partially to pay for this. And she's like, we'll find the money. I, I have not seen you so excited in a long time. So um, I think, oh wow, yeah, you should sign up and we'll find a way to get the money. So um, yeah, that was a, that was a huge turning point. That was, a, that was the big change, I think. Was that the Michael O'Neill course? No, that wasn't the Michael O'Neill course. No, that came much later. Oh, okay. Yeah, solopreneur, solopreneur came. Uh, solo, 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 something it was called. Solopreneur uh, lab, solo something lab. like that. That's right. Solo lab came much, much later. Uh, maybe I want to say six or seven months after that. Okay, okay. So you did the key person of influence course, and that started you on the path. Yeah, that started me on the in in the sense that um, it rewired my brain. That rewired my brain to see business differently. Uh, that it hadn't did not have to be done in the traditional way. Um, there was so many like like simple concepts. So the the, the keepers of influence program is based on five major concepts. Um, the first concept is that you get asked what you do all the time, and if you can't tell people people what you do, then you've you're leaving a whole bunch of money on the table. So pitch is more important. Uh, the second concept is publish, that the idea that you have content or you know, sort of valuable information out in the world is, uh, is, is important for people to find you or actually validate some, some ideas about you. So publishing is important. The third concept is product uh, and the idea that uh, if you have services, you productize it. And every part of your ecosystem needs to be productized from your lead magnet to your nurture sequence and, and everything else in between should be productized. Um, so that's the third one. Fourth one is profile. 
who would you rather buy from someone with a profile or someone without uh, so profile was important um, and then fifth one was partnerships that uh, with the first four uh, concepts you should be able to go out and create partnerships rather than go out and create sales because allow you to get more more sales at a time than than, than going in and getting sales so so th- and repeat yeah sure. those those five concepts really helped um me see business differently interesting um probably good you didn't have that before the restaurant or you might have succeeded there <laughs> well you know everything happens for a reason exactly mm-hmm. And I, I totally understand about the rewiring of the brain. I'm still a corporate drone, work the day job, and doing the podcast and everything has been shifting the paradigm like crazy. And hanging around like um, our mutual friend um, Tyson Franklin, yeah. who is uh, quite the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. He he's uh, he's someone that thinks differently as well. I think, and and, and I think that's why we connect. Um, we 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 have such a good time when we connect is because we just um uh think differently in different ways and uh he's managed to build you know different types of businesses um and he's got some serious business skills so yeah he's a he's a cool cat he's a delight now um so moving forward, you did do the solo lab, and from that spawned your podcast, right, or, or, yeah. or close to it? Yeah. So solo lab came. So Michael uh, was responsible for me um, thinking that a podcast was um, even an uh, an option, or, or leave alone a solution, but uh, an option, um, and. And it was really interesting because um, at the time I had um, like chefs that would cook for people in their homes, um, myself included, and I, I started a podcast to promote that business. Mm-hmm. That's Bond Appetit. Bond right? Appetit, that's right. And um, that Solar Lab allowed me to embark on the podcast journey. And when I started the podcast, Everything I have <laughs> to this point is because I started that podcast uh, five years ago, so or four years, four, four and a half, or whatever, however long that was. Um, and it's the relationships that I've been able to make, and the connections that I've been able to make, and the perspective that I've been able to change that I initially had, and it's been pivoted because I've had this conversation with someone. So. You know, you you starting a podcast, I guarantee you we're having this conversation a few years from now. You'll um, you'll have some stories for me for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Out of curiosity, could it be said that that was almost the perfect alliance of your, I'm not going to say scattered because that sounds, um, you know, perjurative, but, or pejorative, mm-hmm. but you have a lot of varied interests. I mean, you've been a software manager, a financial counselor, a restaurateur, a chef. By doing this podcast and talking to different people, are you possibly scratching a thousand itches? Mm, interesting. Um, possibly. Possibly. Uh, I feel like I was learning at the same time. I, I feel like 
the the best thing about the podcast is it, it allowed me to be a be- better listener or, or, or a listener <laughs> at the start. <laughs> I was not even a listener when uh, when I started the podcast. Um, I feel like I was just waiting for someone to stop talking for me to start talking and interviewing someone allowed me to have better empathy. Uh, that allowed me to be able to actually think about what they were saying. Um, and, and I had none of those skills. So I was learning. And I think me learning allowed me to be interested for longer than normal because my normal sort of way of, of, of it, it, the way of looking at something new is, is almost like a shiny ball syndrome. Like I look at the next shiny ball. Um, and, and the podcast kept those conversations varying while allowing me to be present. Um, and also, I, I feel like I, I also borrowed people's energy that was mm-hmm. killing it. And um, it allowed me, even for a short period of time, to vibrate at that energy, um, which which pushed success, I suppose, um, uh, slightly further um, because of that vibration. Do you feel that after an interview, especially that that slight amped up for an hour or two, just you know, you're you're really tuned in, easy, and yeah, yeah easily, uh, and 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 maybe maybe for longer as well, I. I feel like uh, I introspect a lot and conversations allow me to have conversations, deeper conversations with myself at a later time. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's just for that, but definitely for, for at least uh, a little bit after the interview, you, you, you feel good and you think, wow, that I, I couldn't have had a better conversation with someone. And especially because the first few of them were just, me talking to a screen right um <laughs> and uh it was this weird concept of me just having this conversation with someone i could not see so um yeah i, I i'm i'm just so grateful to be able to, to to have that platform because that platform built everything else i personally feel like the interview is like a first date mm. when it's going magically one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and 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 again, like that, using that that an analogy, at a, in a first date, we do less of the talking. Um, so the same thing should protect mm-hmm. yeah, in an interview, especially if you're the host. Um, yeah, I've quoted Ira Glass a bunch of times because I watched an interview with him describing the procedure, and I feel like he summed up exactly how I personally feel. And that's that I fall in love with the guest a little bit every time. Yeah. 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 Because everyone's fascinating if you just give them a bit. If, if, if you just ask the right questions, right? Um, yeah. Just dig. Hmm. <laughs> and I, I agree. Everybody is awesome. And what's hilarious is a lot of times they almost casually will mention something. You're like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Yeah. But, but it's just some part of their life. And it's, you know, they've already accepted it, moved on. It's just something they did. They don't necessarily think of how profound it might be. Yeah, and I, and I think what comes naturally to all of us, we take for granted. Sure, yeah. 
Sure, absolutely. Now, moving forward, because you've got a second interview podcast, and um, it's Should I Start a Podcast? Yeah. And I want to ask that question to the world. <laughs> Should I start a podcast? You have, and you've, uh, and you're, what, 70 odd episodes in, and, and um, you've already learned a whole bunch of stuff, and you've already made a whole bunch of connections, and, you know, uh, and it's only been March since you started. So, um, it's, uh, I think, um, I think you should be able to answer that question pretty well uh, on when sort of someone to start a podcast. However, this that podcast was an evolution to a podcast that I started before that, which was Podcast Revolution, if I'm correct, if that was what it was called. And I got like 80 episodes in, and I went, this Podcast Revolution is a dumbass name. Like, what does that even mean? Um, it's like Bond Appetit, but probably worse. And uh, and well, Bond Appetit's pretty funny, and it got you a lot of press, and it got you coverage on iTunes. Sure, it did. But everyone kept asking me, "What do you mean by Bond Appetit? Like, what, what? How do you how do you spell it? How do you pronounce it? How do you?" At least they stopped to ask. Sure, uh, of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> but I do think we make the mistake of 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 making it more complicated than it should be. So Podcast Revolution was one, was one of them. And I stopped that and decided that I would redo the whole podcast version of the podcast and be very meta. Because I would ask, get asked the question all the time, Rossi, should I start a podcast? So I'm like, well, that's perfect because let's, let's uh, start the podcast. Should I start a podcast? And um, that was the evolution to Podcast Revolution. So that... Not work as well as I wanted it to work, because no one knew what that meant when they came across it. So, uh, should I start a podcast? It was way better. Was it to support We Are Podcast? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It was it was to support We Are Podcast? Um, but also, I think that I was getting the questions so often that same question, uh, the exact same question, and I felt like in the circles that we operate in, um, it was a no-brainer whether someone should start a podcast or not, especially if someone has already reaped a, a few of the benefits before uh, the, the, the answering that question was a no-brainer. So I thought, well, why not make those stories more public? Well, that's cool, but I'm going to push back now. Mm. Um, there's a uh, 550,000 people who agree with you. And I think it's closer to 600,000 actually now. Now, most of it is here. I'm guessing that Australia isn't quite as populated with podcasts. Yeah, I think, I think we're, we're, we're a few years behind. Yeah. But like the States, cause you know, coming back from the States, um, a few times now, um, I, I remember because I was leaving New York to, yeah, I think, yeah, New York to LA and my flight was early morning and um, was getting onto the freeway to get to the airport and there's this massive sign of iHeartRadio and under that in bold letters and podcasts too. Um, this is, you know, in Manhattan, um, in the center of, of New York. And I'm like, that's fascinating because um, 
that that would imply that Australia is at least three or four years behind uh, anyone doing that here and kind of going, well, you know, uh, why don't you listen to the podcast? Which makes so much sense for any of the businesses. Like, if if any business said, um, here's some audio that you can consume while you consider whether you want to use our services, what are the chances of someone buying at the end of that? Um, but that's from a business standpoint. Uh, I can only imagine what, what that's like from a consumption and a storytelling um, standpoint. So I do feel like we're behind uh, a, a, a few years here in Australia. Uh, well, it's a good opportunity for you. It's great. I, well, right now, it's a great opportunity for me uh, because when we started, I would go to businesses and say, hey, you guys should start a podcast. You'd be perfect for it. And they'd tell me... Um, <laughs> they'd, What's a podcast? Yeah, no, they'd tell me to go screw myself because they had other things to worry about like cash flow and team and culture and paying bills. And you're, you're telling me my problems will be solved with a podcast. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> and I was like, wait, I'm saying something wrong. So I would go back and say, hey, I think you need a storytell using audio. And they would think about it and then they would tell me to go screw myself because um <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pause yeah because i still had didn't have the, the pitch right and then finally uh after about a year and a bit of of those bad literal pitches um i would say hey you know how conversion in any business happens in a conversation whether you are getting a new client on board or a team member or a partner or a sponsor or an investor, all those conversions that happen in your business happen in conversations. What if there was a way to harness the power of those conversations to create marketing that you could use to market your business? And then they would think about it and go, oh, so sure, I should sell a podcast. <laughs> so, And you said, sign here. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Amplify was born. Because I finally got the pitch right. And until that point, I was always focused on me and on selling. Ah, and okay. I stopped thinking about selling the solution, but started to think about how would they benefit by stuff that they were already doing rather than yeah. make it difficult for them to conceptualize what a podcast would look like. Have you heard of Zig Ziglar? Yeah, of course. That's kind of one of his whole things of if you help people solve enough problems, they'll solve yours or something like that. I think it's repeated so many times that um, it's almost like weird when someone comes up with an epiphany that, hey, why don't I just focus on the cost? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, isn't that the way everything is? I mean, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Um, that was said, uh, you know, 400 years ago by Buddha or is in the Bible or you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, there's an author, Jonathan Haidt. Uh, it's called The Happiness Hypothesis. It's all about how modern psychology and science is doing nothing but proving old adages. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, it has to be said, in, in, depending on the circumstances in the right way, uh, for someone to, um, give that thought or that idea a little bit of, of, of headspace. Sure. And we're all guilty of it. Like we'll have our spouse who will tell us a hundred times something. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then somebody from the outside says, and we're like, God, that's brilliant. And the spouse wants to kill you. <laughs> yeah. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, speaking of somebody from the outside who's brilliant, um, you were recently in New York visiting uh, somebody who's kind of popular. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Those kind of things happen so often these days. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, I, I feel like I don't give... I don't give the relationships I have or the relationships that I've made. Um, I, I don't stop to smell the roses, if if, if that makes sense. I feel like, sure. Uh, I'm just I'm just after solving the next problem, and yep. one one of the things that my wife tells me quite often is that I don't celebrate the wins. Um, that's why bringing her into the business has been one of the best things ever because she's allowed the team to celebrate the wins, which I would not, I would forget about. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I, I was, uh, I was in New York at, um, at, at Vayner, um, Vayner media and, um, you know, uh, Vayner X actually is, is the overarching, um, business that, that runs, um, all the other sub brands under it. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're getting into audio quite heavily, uh, audio and voice. Um, Gary started VoiceCon last year, or this year, sorry, um, for the first time. And, and um, yeah, we're, we're looking to see what, what is possible, considering we are the first audio marketing agency in the world. And, and, and Gary's got um, enough of a, a following behind him and has been advocating audio and voice for a while. Um, we're, we're trying to look at and trying to trying to see what the the evolution to the current way people see audio is. So, what's the next step? What is um, what does the future of audio look like? So, um, yeah, that's that's actually a perfect lead-in because I I was discussing with you before we interviewed how I see some problems with the industry, and it's not only me. Um, you've heard of James Cridland, right? Yeah, and uh, Dave Jackson and. I think Dave Jackson's at your conference, come to think of it. And Cridlin as well. Um, well, there you go. And Jordan Harbinger, too. I talked with him about it. Um, Third year this year. Well, I mean, he's a, a master and definitely deep, deep, deep into it. Yeah. But at um, Podcast Movement, for example, Edison released some numbers. Mm. And these numbers, and I'm going to specify to America because we are mostly U.S. focused at this point. Yeah. And the numbers were essentially that 68% of people knew what a podcast was. Yep. Then of that 68, something like a 42% or whatever, I'm pulling these numbers out of a hat. So mm. they're not, exact. had actually listened to a podcast in the past month. So sure. of those numbers, a much smaller percentage had listened within the past week and the even smaller for somebody is regular. Right. Now those are troubling numbers. And the reason why I say that is that's saying that people are familiar and they're just not interested. And I'm worried that there's a reputation with podcasts that it's like Wayne's world. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie and the skit. Yeah, I am. I I am familiar with the movie Uh, that it's like basic access cable and amateur hour. Yeah. I mean, um, so Yes and no to, the, to answer that question. I, I, I whether you ask me a question or not, but I, <laughs> <laughs> well, run with it. <laughs> um, so I do think that the best thing about a podcast is that it's easy to do, and I think the worst thing about a podcast is that it's it's easy to do. Uh, I mm-hmm. do feel like 
we jump to conclusions as to what the concept of our podcast should be based on limited experience of the world because we've been listening to a whole bunch of other podcasts that are quite similar in nature so we land up doing the similar like similar things um so that's one 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 aspect i i do feel like that there are enough podcasts that have been released out there that i feel should be filtered especially in itunes and spotify um because they've either started uh, and have seven or less episodes and they not haven't haven't been going for a while so and they're just literally someone recording on their phone or or <laughs> you know lapel mic um and you can hear them breathing it's a like a Darth Vader sort of voice um oh, sure. happening and and I feel on that note yeah. look at new look at new and noteworthy which has um pod faded shows that are had the last episode two years ago yeah I mean you know that, that that's the, all those are like problems that that we that that we definitely need to solve um I do think that uh once you have consumed audio on a podcast it becomes easier for you to find more stuff because also going through the whole subscription and finding and not being as intuitive on iTunes is also another major factor to the adoption of 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 podcasting uh all that said uh there's never been a better time to be able to um to create audio create a voice for your brand because you might go to a branding agency and say hey like work on the look and feel of my brand but you now have the capability to give your brand a voice mm-hmm. and you know it's one of the most uh intimate forms of of um connecting with someone that's why conversations are so huge that's why you speak to you know, a baby when it's in it's in the mud in the womb and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yes, one hundred percent. I think that people are starting to create podcasts that have not even given it the time of day to figure out why their concept is different from you know someone else. And it's okay for that to happen if it's a stepping stone to the next to the next step or the next. What needs to happen? Oh. In, in a way, because it's it's one of those that, well, if you're cooking, for example, and you need knife skills, how do you get knife skills? Yeah. yeah. You work the knife. There's no other way. You can't, can't read a book on getting better. You can't watch a video. Maybe it'll give you an idea, but you can't do it unless you keep working the knife. Yeah. What, 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 100%. And, and I think that's that, I think that comes with, um, that comes with um, with you just having a platform and, and making sure that, that 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 you work it until you get to a point where you realize, like we are at a point right now where we're creating the next evolution to our podcast, and we're not going to stop either one of them because the content and the listenership is still there. So, but we're creating the next step, and um, and that's what we're working on right now, and then that, that that's exciting in itself. So, um, yeah. Well, very cool. And to wrap things up, you have um, a small little gathering that takes place, I believe, in Brisbane. Yeah. 
and uh do you i think it's coming up really soon you want to talk about it a little sure um it is it is the first podcasting conference in, in the southern hemisphere uh we started when podcasting wasn't cool <laughs> um this is our fourth year uh this year and um you know what every year i try to make it better by not making it bigger so um you know this year it's on the 18th 19th and 20th um, i want to change the idea of what a conference or an event should look like um and every year we just we just make better connections with with the people that attend so um this year's in brisbane last year was in brisbane the, the years before that were, were on the gold coast um and uh, i don't know whether next year will be will be here or it'll be somewhere else but it does make it easier to have it in brisbane because we're here so um you have limited attendance correct yeah yeah every year we've had except the first year we've had limited attendance um so people keep that in mind there's only 100 seats i think yeah there's only 100 seats this year um and we keep keep re- reducing the seats every year uh just because I still don't know. I, when I started started creating the event, I, I I had never done an event before, so I'm still trying to figure out what the best kind of event for me is, and for how we can deliver it with the with the best quality. Um, so that's that's what we're trying to figure out, and, and maybe next year it might go up. I, I I don't know. We're still learning. So it's all about podcasting and how to how to sustain your creativity. Uh, so make a make a podcast that's creative, but also make a podcast that's commercial, um, and 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 how to bring the commercial and the creative together has always been the aim of We Are Podcast. So it's primarily for business owners who want to add add a voice to, uh, to to their brand. Everybody take note of the name because we almost buried it. We Are Podcast is the name of the conference. Yes. And is that at uh, wearepodcast.com? Wearepodcast.com um, and then slash 2018 uh, for okay. this year's stuff. Um, you can also get a virtual ticket, I'm pretty sure, um, post-event uh, post or even during the event. I mean, before the event, you can either watch it live or, or get the recordings um, after the fact. Well, cool. And... For people who want to discover more Ronsley, is it ronsley.com slash au? No, ronsley.com.au. Sorry. (laughs) I knew that there was the au on the end. Yeah. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. I've actually really, really enjoyed this um, because normally um, I'm part of of interviews where we're very structured and um, and I, I... (laughs) <laughs> I uh, like the unstructured. Well, cool. It's it is awesome having you. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com.